my name is Sarah Bentley Pearson, and I am excited to share my podcast, which features wonderful talent that I've been so lucky to discover in the Southeast. This was born out of a list that I created in 2015 called Sarah's List, and through my work in real estate, which I've been doing since 2005, and styling work, and just my personal life and my personal interests, I've been able to meet so many wonderful people, and I'm excited to share them with you. So Zach Smith is a fabulous painter, and he has been working on and off for about 20 years, and his work just keeps evolving. I met Zach when I first moved to Atlanta. His other career is he is a custom home builder, and he was working on the project um, with the company that developed our first house when we moved here to Atlanta. And I liked him right away, and his wife, Monica, and I became friends, and we were like, oh my God, who's the cute little hottie? And then they started going out. So I have known them since 2001. I love them both equally. They're really a great couple. And Zach said something to me that has always really stuck with me, which is he never would have become a painter if it weren't for Monica. So last night I went to see Zach's opening party. I had seen his work prior for before we filmed the podcast. But I went to the party last night at Mason Fine Art, and his show is so beautiful, and it was packed, and it just made me so happy for him, and his work is really, really good. There's kind of something for everybody. There's moody, there's a little bit more light and happy, but all the same composition. And his medium is super interesting. I've seen it go from more realist sort of paintings, and this is abstract. He is uh, from Atlanta. He's a Georgia graduate, but I really see him going farther and being more of a global presence in the art world. I think you'll really enjoy the interview with him. I think of Zach as my brother that I never had. He's a fabulous person, but a real talent. So enjoy. So you are the brother I never had, which is weird how that like kind of developed over the years because your lovely wife, who I consider one of my closest friends as well, but somehow you and I became friends, I think largely because you have such a great sense of humor. I don't know how we became friends. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think when I got divorced, too, you were like kind of a big brother to me. And Monica probably is like, go check on Sarah. And then you're just, you know, your job standing, uh, being a builder, which is your main profession, you know, you would be waiting on somebody and then we would talk and then we'd get into these ridiculous conversations that would go on. I think you're like, you could be a comedian, too. Like, you're a great storyteller. Um, I, you know, I don't know. We, we, I don't talk to anyone else. So I just pretty much. Just to to me? I talk to to one of my guy friends and you, and it's just kind of. It just just starts. It just starts, and we'll go on these stupid tangents, 
but you know, my I, my husband, like he'll be like, I'm like, I, I gotta call you back. I'm talking to Zach, and he, we tried the other day. He was driving somewhere. I said, I'm talking to Zach. I gotta talk, call you back. And he goes, No, let's three well weigh him. I want to tell him some shit too. And then we called you and you didn't answer and it was hilarious. He's like, you're not putting me on hold to go back to Zach. And I was like, because he sparks joy and makes me laugh and I need some damn laughter yeah, in my ever, life. Don't ever free that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I want to go back to how I met you, your lovely wife. I was thinking about this in the bathroom before our interview. You know, Monica's a great person. And she's a great person for many reasons, uh, one being that she was always very hospitable to me and my ex-husband when we first moved to Atlanta. And when I was having Pearson, my best friend who lives in Switzerland came over for the shower, which was so great that she did that. And she met Monica and she said, she's a keeper. She just has that, she is just a very good, good person inside and out. And she's funny. And she says that I'm fashion Barbie and she's exotic Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you like her. Yeah. Yeah. So we share, we share our interest in fashion. Her mother who just passed away, unfortunately was a icon, a fashion icon for Atlanta. And so anyway, met you guys and you had been the developer of the houses that we all moved into at that time. Mm -hmm. And that's how we, we got to know each other. And um, so when you and Monica met, you also decided to become a painter just on your own with no training, which is fabulous. Yeah. Um, I actually, I got out of school. My mom was married to an architect. They were building their house on Peachtree Dunwoody. Mm -hmm. And they needed someone there on site. So I said, well, I'll do it. I don't have a job. I'm straight out of college. Um, so I just show up. I didn't know anything about building. I just would show up and make sure that people showed up. That was really it. Sweet. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that for like a year until they moved in the house. And then I was like, oh, I kind of like this. Um, I couldn't figure out... I, so I, I stayed with the building. I did the whole building um, builder uh, training program that John Whelan offers for two or three years. And then I moved over to run Village Park, which was with Laurel River, where I met you mm -hmm. and Monica. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, had, I had always been artistic growing up. I had always... Draw, I was always drawing, I was always painting. I took little classes when I was younger than he, when I was 10, 11. I took a class on monoprints. Um, so I, I have always kind of dabbled in that, um, but it wasn't until I bought my own house and I think I, I went to a Steve Tenley exhibit over at the Mater Gallery. And then uh, Todd Murphy was showing the same time over at Lowe. Mm -hmm. And I walked over there. And that was when I was exposed to Todd's work, which was huge. He and Penley kind of dominated for a good bit. Yeah. The, the whole gallery scene over there was just, it was packed. I mean, it was just going off. And I was exposed to 
art that actually, you know, um, I, I like Penley's work, but the ones that affected me were the Todd Murphy's because they were like 12 feet, you know, 15 feet long, um, massive pieces. And so that kind of sparked the interest. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I've got my own, I've got my own house. I don't, you know, I'm trying to be an adult. I don't want to put, I don't want to put posters on the walls. <laughs> right. uh, I'm going to try my hand at making a painting. And that's kind of all where it started. But um, like your, your hand just intuitively matched your eye, which is so, I mean, I've taken painting and drawing classes. My hand does not match my eye. That's like a God-given talent. Um, I, I don't know. I, my first paintings were what you would expect. It was just getting energy out and just making a mess. And then it was like, let me see a, what I could do if I, if I wanted to paint a person. For instance. Right, you did Monica. I remember that. So I did. Well, I did. I did uh, the kids. I did uh, Nico and Christopher. Um, and it just kind of, um, it just kind of happened. I just made the painting. It really was pretty quick. Um, I don't. I don't know. I'd never painted a person before until then, and and then I was like, well, oh, okay. Well, I can make. I can actually make a painting that looks like a person. So there's something here. I'm going to keep keep working on it. So every night I'd get home from work and I'd crack a beer. <laughs> I'd, go, I'd go into the basement and I'd work until 2 or 3 in the morning um, and then go to work, my regular job, built at you know, building Village Park. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I don't know, within a year I had to, I had – probably 20 or 30 paintings and just doing what I thought I should do. And yeah. And I mean, you, but you kind of, I remember your very first show was somewhere down here on the South side of Peachtree. Yeah. I don't remember what the gallery was, but like you had it packed. That's probably Monica was a big part of that and her circle of friends and everything. Oh, yeah. But you just kind of hit the ground running and, and I was so impressed, and I remember you telling me that had you not met Monica, you weren't sure you would have painted or something like that. And I mean, it's those um, sliding doors, you know. You just don't. You, I doubt I would be painting, uh, but. What was it about her that lit that in you? Um, you wanted to get in the basement? <laughs> I'm just kidding, Monica. But like, what was it about her that lit that fire in you? Um, I don't, I don't know, really. Um, I, maybe I was just like too embarrassed to put a poster on the wall. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I, yeah, but most guys like, who didn't have the skill wouldn't be like, oh, "Let me go buy some paint and try to try my hand." At no, this. I, I, I certainly am uh, different in that regard. Um, but I'm also kind of the way I was brought up is. I can kind of do, you know, you're t you, everybody tells their kids, um, you can be whatever you want to be when you grow up. I mean. And it's true. And, and it's true, but, I mean, I, ha I, I actually believe that. So, um, so like, it, anything, I, anything I thought, oh, I, I, I want to do that, I'll be great at it, or I, I think it in my head. And so... When I said, oh, I want to paint, um, 
it just never occurred to me that I would suck at it. I was just going to do this and you kind of like me was, with the podcast. Like but yeah. everybody but I you know like not everybody's good at everything. You know, I mean there are some things especially in art that I mean it's subjective, but right. There's a lot of bullshit art out there. Like just bad. All of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean really bad. Yeah. And very very little work is good. Um before I get into your current show, you know, I'm because I'm very I'm very impressed with it. Like I'm not just saying that, but you know, I think are, are you lying in bed at night and thinking about these things, or is it more organic that you get get to working on the canvas and then it sort of grows? There's early there's early exhibitions I worked in series. And the series was kind of a conceptual idea, and it helped it helped me focus on the work. Because I think as a young artist, you're you're kind of all over the place. You're trying to find your for sure your your little spot, your niche, and kind of what you do. And I found that this you know kind of a, a conceptual series was a way for me to, to focus the work to keep me from going off and doing all these other things. So um, so I was working series-based paintings that I would, I would just kind of come up with a broad concept of what I wanted to do. Maybe that's at night. It's usually just sitting in, just sitting quietly somewhere thinking. And then start to make those paintings and um and then I took a break from painting so were you sad when you weren't painting (laughs) um like does painting spark joy in you painting is my happy place so um I wasn't sad I had gotten back from an exhibition in Spain it was 2009 um my that the cost of making art was really high we had two kids samuel was just born mm. bills need to get paid mm-hmm. you know painting seemed selfish mm. it's like i i need something that's putting my, you know paying bills and spending time with your kids, which can be all-consuming. And spending time with my kids. It just wasn't the right time, so I took time apart. Uh, time, you know, time apart. It's like I'm, I'm married to painting. <laughs> I need <laughs> I took, a break. I took a break from my, from my lover. Yeah. <laughs> um, and started my started my building business. And back to the lover thing, though. I think that um, Sting had said that his art was like like a lover or like an affair. Like Mm -hmm. it was like his way to get those, those pieces of ourselves filled where somebody who was destructive would do in another person. But Mm -hmm. in art, I mean, this podcast for me is sort of like that. When I, when I got married, I said to myself, okay, what's next, you know, and what's going to fill me. And this honestly does fill me in a way that I understand that art does for you, especially raising teenagers, they can piss you off and hurt your heart and mess your head up like nobody's business. Um, 
they can. They affect me in particular. You <laughs> different than me. You, yeah, you mom. take things personal. Yeah. Well, yeah, as moms, all moms are, I think we're all affected by those nasty little things of 14 year old say. Yeah. I I completely understand that little 14 year old. Well, I think men just, have a I mean, distance to to being a parent that a that a mother doesn't have and but it occurred to me last night because I went to a party at Melanie Turner's uh and my son is with his dad and I was uh, I'm having some difficulties with him about choosing a school and all that and I was kind of pissed off and then I was like, "You know what, Sarah? He's going to be gone before you know it. Enjoy your life. Detach." Go and have fun. And I had a great time last night. But that's, I have to like mentally say that to myself. Whereas I think with men, you have the ability to compartmentalize or, you know, be. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You do. Uh, Yeah. I don't. Monica wants me to be um, like upset about Samuel cleaning his room all day long. Right. And I don't even think about it. I, because. It's just not even on my radar. It's not important to me. It's important to her. Um, but she, because it's important to her, at some point, that means it's going to need to be important to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> As you know, with my <laughs> husband, Jim, I mean, we've had the thing, the same huge fights, and I'm like, why aren't you mad about this? But I've thought a lot about it is that, you know, we as women were left at home while men went to fight the war. And if you are in a war situation, you can't be thinking about the cleaning of the room. You got to be present to that. And that's the, that's the, the good and the bad of the differences in the sexes that we're, we're constantly thinking about outside of ourselves or out, you know, out. I mean, I could be sitting here doing an interview and thinking about something domestic, whereas you have the ability to turn it off. Yeah. I'm fighting the war. Yeah, you're Not fighting the, the war. <laughs> it's hard to be a man. And it's so, but I think it's really so cool that you have this piece of you that, you know, when I will go into your show now, like I went to see your show yesterday so I could have my eyes on it physically versus the pictures. And it is, first of all, it feels like, like many of the gray and black and white ones, like the moon, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the texture, well, they all are textured, right. but there's like a, a moon quality, like you're sucked in, like you're somewhere else. What is that material that's on top? Is that it dust? Is it is a proprietary blend? <laughs> <laughs> I can't go too far into that. I mix a bunch of with the paint and with glue, and I and it's heavy, thick material that I am actually throwing on the surface. But it looks like so perfectly coiffed. Um, that was something that um, that happens in in the flow. So I think I speak about it in my little statement. I start out by just throwing a handful of this stuff on the surface and then I didn't realize I was doing it until multiple paintings later I'm trying to find a balance in there a a balance of weight and texture and everything 
So that balance is is important to the piece, but everything kind of looks equal. And then once I kind of get everything thrown and visually kind of where I think it should be, that's when the actual color comes in. Yeah, I was gonna ask you, okay, so um, the, it's, it starts out just with texture and then you start adding the color? Yeah, I, I'll put paint in the, in. it'll be a color to start. So there'll be two colors to divide in those paintings a horizon line and then so but I'm using whatever paint it, it I require so much paint I buy oops paint from Home Depot so the paint that they screw up on the shitty paint that they sell for $15 a gallon mm -hmm. so I'll buy that and I dump a whole gallon of paint into the bucket to, to get it started so it could be blue it could be green it could be red it could be any color I don't I don't care it just needs to be a paint. So I'll throw the surface and divide the, hor the, the, the horizon line. And then from there, I start working with co working the colors to make it actually look like the painting that you've seen. Um, but what do the horizons mean to you? Where did that, where did that come from? Well, I started with the black and white paintings, which are seascapes. Um, and the idea... We've all sat and looked out at the ocean. Um, what other thing can you stare at all day long? Mm. I can stare at it all day long. Right. What is? What are you? You know. What are? What are, what are we doing when we're staring at the ocean? It's like we're thinking about the actual physical presence of it, or we think. Does it bring up memories of the past, mm. or? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, like, why do people go to the beach and just look at the water? And, and why is that so, why is that really such a profound experience? It is. I'm so drawn to the ocean. Uh, I always have been. I tell Monica that when we finally, when we're finally done working and we are done, we're, we're going to find a little spot on the ocean and just live out. But you would paint then too, right? Probably. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm going to stop doing that. Probably. Um, so I lost my train of thought. So, so I was I wanted to make those paintings, these ocean paintings, and I wanted to, um, I wanted them to. Well, I wanted them to be large because I'm I'm attracted to large work. Mm -hmm. I'm attracted to. I don't know if you've been to the high or remember, but there's an Anselm Kiefer painting in there. It's probably 20 feet tall. It might even be of the ocean. Not a lot, I guess some of his work is. Um, but it is so heavy, uh, the weight of the painting actually has, a, has an effect physically. Mm. Uh, the density gotta, of it? The density of it, the weight of it, the just the gravity of it, um, it affects me like no other thing. So that's kind of what I'm trying to achieve. I'm trying to grab the viewer and, and hold your attention long enough for you to pull you in and to have an experience. That's why they're, that's why they're big. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I started with those uh, seascape paintings um, and the horizon line is always right in the middle. Um, 
even though you can't see the horizon in some of those that fade from black to white, it's there. Um, but that's just a fog. And, you know, that's just a fog over the ocean or that's what I'm depicting there, even though it's abstract. But I think this has been something you've kind of been working on a long time ago because I remember years ago when we all went to the beach together, you sent me a photograph, I think, of Samuel or the boys in front of the water and it had like sort of sepia tones. Um, I don't know if that, if you ended up doing something with that, but I think this is a, a concept that you've been working on a long time, but I was so impressed with, with the, um, with the skill level of the paintings that they had almost sort of a Rothko Everybody says feeling, that. although, but not, not, but I'm just talking about the simplicity of a Rothko. There's, there's a simplicity in the, in the horizon, for example, but then you layered on, like I said, it felt like I was on the moon. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's obviously your own feeling, but you know, why is a Rothko painting, you know, I mean, why is that important? Well, it's important because of the simplicity of it all. And then obviously the, the colors and the depth and the technique and blah, blah, blah. And He's creating an atmosphere. And, yes, paintings. exactly. And that's what yours has an atmosphere. And that, that's, that's what I want to achieve. Mm -hmm. uh, when you walk in to the, to the space and look around, I want you to feel something. Something. If you're standing in the middle of the room, you're looking. You're looking around, and you go, "Oh my God, I need to get closer to see what's going on." And I, I know the artists that see the show will be have their nose right up to it mm -hmm. to to see mm -hmm. how it's made because that's. I think every artist does that, um, or at least I do. Um, the first thing I do is just try to figure out how it's made. Yeah. I, I just assume that all artists do that, but I might be wrong. But every time I, I look at a, a painting that I'm attracted to or that I like, I'm going up close and I'm trying to figure out how it's made. Um, and then some, some, some work you can't figure out how it's made. Um, are you familiar with Alex Katz? Mm, of course. I, I've actually, like been dreaming about like having a self-portrait that looks like an Alex Katz. Wow. Because that's like the 70s. That's like... He's still making art even today. I think he's... Don't quote me, but I, he's, I think he's 95. Mm. That's mm. insane. Mm -hmm. And he's making huge paintings. I mean, 10 feet by 12 feet. Mm. The high has, I don't know, three or four and they look so simple, but that is the mo for me. It's the most complicated painting. Um, I think it's the simplicity of it. Um, I've read about how he does it. I've never I've never seen a video of him making them, but they're all made in one shot. Um, so the the planning ahead of time. Um, those paintings are fascinating. Yeah, well, I mean, art art is interesting. I mean, there's like you have somebody like Jeff Koons who, you know, is 
is a very important artist of our mm-hmm. era, but uh, you know comes at it in a very different way. And that that I think that's what is so special about art is that it's it's that person and that creation and that little spark that is in there. And I and you know knowing you for as long as I have, um, knowing your personality, knowing your life, and I go and I see the show and I think how the fuck did he come up with this? Like, where'd this come from? But that's, you know, that's, that's what's cool. And, you know, so the show, uh, I met Mark when I went to the gallery. He was so nice. I, cause I kind of went in and I did a video and then I walked out and he said, can I help you? And I said, oh, well, I'm going to be speaking to Zach and I wanted to come in and just see it in person. And he said that, um, he was referred to you. So how did that, Mm -hmm. how did that come about? Um, that came about, well, I hadn't made any work in, in 15 years. I don't have an Instagram. You do uh, today. You said you I just have started an Instagram. It. It's yeah. just started. Go check it out. Mm-hmm. It's Zach Smith studio. And the first post is hot. hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I have no, when I was, Exhibiting with Faye, um, before Faye, it was Naomi Silva. Um, the last exhibition I had was in Spain, in um, Girona, Spain. Um, that was pre-iPhone. That was Nokia. <laughs> I don't know what that little blue brick was. The, the Blackberry? 60, no, I didn't even, uh, that's way ahead of me. I, like a flip I, phone. I didn't have a, I didn't even have a flip. I right, but that Nokia, little shit phone, yeah. That little shit brick phone. Yeah. It was just indestructible. Uh-huh. So there's no, I didn't, I don't, there was no Instagram website 20 years ago. Um, I, I mean, well, websites were, but not really. Like Not, not really. Yeah. I mean, kind of. It's kind of an address. So the history of my art career is there isn't one. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, this is the first you know, of anything anyone will see of me, unless you went to an an exhibition fifteen years ago. Um, so I was sending images to all the galleries, and um, that nobody. I don't even think they open the emails. They're, they've got their own stable they're taking care of. They're, they're full. They're whatever, whatever. Um, so no one responds. And, and you're just looking at a picture of, a, of the work. And that's why I said, you really have to see them. Mm-hmm. It's true. You can't look at a photo of my work and get the work. You, you just can't. So... Um, with Mark, I think Tony Conway had, yes. had been by the house, had seen the work, and was like, wow, these, these are amazing. Where are you showing? When, when are you showing all this? Because it's a, like a crazy man. You never saw my basement, but it, it's a little crazy. I mean, when you walk down there and there's 20, 25 paintings, it's like, what are you doing? That's crazy. It's a little crazy, but not to me. But that's how people got lucky who like stumbled upon 
Basquiat's work in like, you know, like oh, that's, when so you, <laughs> that's when you <laughs> want to find an artist <laughs> is when all their shit's in the basement. Well, all my shit was in the basement for sure. <laughs> so I think Tony sent that over to Mark and it's just a picture. Um, and was like, you, you've got to see this. Um, and he called, like, I think he texted me within a day, which was refreshing. Mm -hmm. That's refreshing because when you send 15 emails out and not a single person even has an inkling of a, a want to even call you or anything, it's like, eh. So I think I asked Tony to send something to Mark. Mm -hmm. Uh, so Mark came over within a couple of days, and um, he kind of had a reaction like everybody else who walks down into my basement at, for the first time. And it's like, holy, holy shit. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, he's like, you know, I can really, I think this stuff is amazing. People need to see it, and I'd like to show it. And so the opening party is February 2nd, which I will be at. Yeah, and then the well, show, uh, the work is all, already up, but the show will go on for a few uh, months. It's up. It opens tonight. My little uh, artist cocktail um, thing is next Friday. Uh, I think the show stays up through February and two or three weeks into March. Mm-hmm. Mm um, so it'll be it'll be up for a while. Um, so come check it out. Yeah, don't just look at it on the website. Right. Yeah. You really need to see it in person. Um, well, and that you know, in uh, Miami Circle, you know, your one of your shows was at Fagold in the same building years ago, and it really has a lot of great art in there. But yours really stands out to me, and it has. Um, a real quality to it that anybody who's interested in art will recognize immediately. And I think, I think, and you can feel your spirit in that work and it, and it shows Atlanta is not really a huge art community in general compared to other cities. Mm -hmm. um, it is getting a lot better. We have had Anna uh, who owns Jackson fine art on here. Um, and I did know Todd Murphy quite well. Uh, not, not, not like really, really well, but I had him to dinner at my house and his wife taught Pearson, um, when he was in preschool. Mm. And I always thought that was pretty cool. And, you know, I, I, I have looked at a lot of art through my life. And I think, I think it's an undervalued education for our children. And when I was listening to the interview with Beth Webb again today, it was Making me think about, you know, how my mom, I was fortunate enough to spend a good bit of my youth in Europe. And so I was able to go to, you know, see original Leonardo da Vinci's and things like that. And was a pain. I was pissed about it as a kid, but now I feel like it's so fortunate. And like, we really need to like take our kids and have them see art and be in front of it because it stirs something in your spirit that, I mean, being somebody that's um, sold houses for, you know, almost 20 years now and I go into people's homes, a house without art.
is sad to me. Like frame a picture, a, a, a finger painting from your kid. Yeah, we have we have a bunch of of Samuel's pieces, uh, and uh, they're some of my favorite works. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> I mean, really, definitely, because they're they're, really they're also so free with their spirit. I yeah. think I think that's what's so cool about art, and it's kind of made me think that what you know as the years go on for me, you know, I went to school for photography and should I, should I go back into that? Because I think what happens with college, which sort of sucks about college in some ways is that a lot of times everybody's going to college, like, what do I want to be? And then like you were writing in college and thinking you needed to be a writer. Well, that doesn't mean that you still shouldn't, you know, pick up a pen and paper and write sometimes just for the joy of it, because that there that's kind of like a little gift from God that we don't even we don't have to make a living at everything that we love or that we're good at. No, we don't. But if you can, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that is really cool. I, I think it's it's really, really fortunate if somebody can make a living doing something they really love. And we probably all could make a living doing something that we love and that we're what that we have a natural talent for. But like you said, you know, you have a child, you know, your bills to pay, and then you just, you have to kind of put that thing that's a passion aside. But I think if we can, you're fortunate that you have the art and hopefully it continues to be more and more part of your, your life and being able to take care of you and your family. But if nothing else, it's something that it's feeding that part of your soul that makes you feel alive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have I had always had a painting that I was working on, even in that 15 years where I didn't work. I always had a place to work, and I always had something that I would work on. Mm-hmm. I have one painting in my studio that it, it, it's an ocean painting, but it's an actual realist ocean painting. But I have probably painted on that painting prior to starting this this body of work. I have probably painted on that painting 500 hours. I don't even know. Mm. I would just go away from everybody and hide <laughs> and work on that painting. And it would just, just constantly make a change and then create a problem and then fix the problem and then make another problem and then fix it and then that's the process that's the process with with all my work it's there's a problem I need to fix it and it's the same with building houses it's just well and I think I mean we all try to I mean for me exercise is a lot like that that escape or like getting in into doing something that you can sort of forget about your problems or work out your problems or just find some peace. But to have that artistic expression um, is a gift. And it's and it's it's lovely when you see something kind of come together and your your exhibit, uh, it, the series is what I thought about it also is that there was really like two moods of of the same thing. You know, they're the one that uh has a lot more color in it that's on the brochure that you sent me mm-hmm. is very different than the dark one. than the dark one. And I always think, you know, you really tap into the energies 
of people and mood with the work, but it's the same technique. But it's it's really good. I'm so excited for the opening. I will definitely be there to support. And we need to get Mark, who owns um, Mason Fine Art, on here uh, to talk about the show and talk about, um, you know, his opinion on art and, you know, everything related to it. But he's been, he's been, um, my understanding is he's been a a gallerist and he's also an artist and his wife is an artist Mm. and he's been, he's been in business for like 30 years. So, um, it's tough for a gallery to make it. It is. It is really not an easy thing to sell art. And I hate to say in the South, but, um, it's tough to sell art. Um, well, I don't think art, fine art, is as appreciated or understood in the South. But that's not really true because I know Dallas, Texas, has a pretty big um, art community. But you know, New York is the epicenter, and mm-hmm. you can you can make real money on art. You can you know it's it's a currency. Whereas in the South, it's not a currency yet. No, um, but it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's certainly getting better. I hear there's, they're doing an art fair here, which is, it'll be the first mm. of its kind, kind of like a basil. Art basil, yeah. Kind of like a scope, but, but obviously not as big as basil. That would be huge. Um, but that's happening later in the year here in Atlanta, so that should be exciting to see what happens. Well, there. and I mean, anytime you get the population getting more wealthy is when you know you you get more art because art is mm-hmm. obviously a luxury not everybody has real art in their homes or collects real art that's something that you you graduate to you know or you make your own you, or you make your own <laughs> yeah exactly well, that's a good way to end it um well, I'm so glad to finally get you on here and I'm so excited to for your show and I know it'll be a big hit great I Thank appreciate you. it So I'm super psyched about my sponsor for the podcast. She's a great friend of mine and also a previous guest. Her name is Lisa Stein. Her work is stunning. We all layer it and wear it all the time. It's great jewelry to wear day to night. I barely go a day without it, and I think you would too once you start collecting it. She's been so nice to give all of my listeners a discount. When you go to LASTein.com, you put in Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, 